Welcome to Intel's Conversations in the Cloud. I'm your host, Jake Smith. Join me as I speak with guests from across the world about the latest advancements in cloud and edge computing, data center technology, network infrastructure, security, artificial intelligence, and more. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be in the world. My name is Jake Smith, and welcome to another episode of Conversations in the Cloud. I am joined today by Global Chief Strategy Officer of Acubits, Shamir Taha. Welcome, Shamir. Thank you, Jake. It's a real pleasure to be on your show. And good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to all the listeners to this podcast as well. Shamir can you give us some insights into your personal background on your personal journey and how you became the chief strategy officer at Acubits and talk a little bit about Acubits and the work you guys are doing to enable end-to-end -end analytics and insights from cameras? Sure, Jake. So a bit about me, I'm a software engineer by profession, started work with one of the largest IT firms, then went on to do my business degree, started a unique startup based out of Singapore, sold my business, did my second startup. And that's when I actually met with the founders of Acubits when they were just starting the company. And my third startup was actually built by this company as Acubit. So I've been a client and I've been a channel partner and then was really you know, hooked onto the vision of Acubits and decided to come on board full time. So it's quite unique what we do at Acubits and it's really the vision that drives the whole company forward. We really believe in the tagline, which is 7 billion creative minds. And what it really means is, you know, we believe that as a species, we have to evolve and we need to really improve how we are in this world today. So literally every technology that we talk about, the emerging tech, which is AI and blockchain, we believe it can liberate people from doing the same repetitive tasks so that they can focus on more creative problem solving. So as such, we've been basically tagline as a product engineering and services company but working mainly across federal governments, mid to large tier enterprises, and even product startups, mainly around this same space of blockchain and AI. So that's in a nutshell what we are. And, you know, with that in mind, you know, the problems we've been solving for our customers, mainly around sales optimization or, you know, complying to health and safety protocols in work environments, securing public and private infrastructure from extreme events, using computer vision technologies. So we work on areas of, you know, computer vision, AI, predictive analytics, and NLP. Now, you know, you guys are really expanding quickly, and you've got a lot of very excited customers around the world. Can you talk a little bit about your new platform? I think our listeners would want to hear about the Emotix platform a little bit more. Sure. So what Emotix is really, it's an AI-based computer vision platform that has core five you know, modules, which looks at people intelligence, crowd intelligence, detecting anomalies, also looking at security and surveillance, and generally object detection, right? So where we started as, you know, an emotion detection platform for retail customers has really expanded quite a bit. And, you know, we started working with one of the federal government entities and mainly looking at using the data insights on, you know, people counting, crowd analytics, or even looking at real-time emotion analysis to help drive better marketing efforts or looking at how they can optimize their facility management. And obviously, you know, we did face certain challenges as we went along the journey, especially around scalability and overall the total cost of 
ownership in terms of the client's perspective of managing an infrastructure to do that at scale. And that's when we were introduced to the AI Builders program and got introduced to the distribution, which is OpenVINO. And we were able to deploy this using you know, a non-GPU-based architecture, basically using a CPU-based architecture. And what that meant is that today we're able to literally compute or infer you know, up to five cameras on a single CPU instance. So literally doing that thing gave us at least a 2x performance increase and helped us to actually deploy that at scale. So today we've got various implementations. It can be customized for use cases such as contactless attendance management. We have that implemented in areas like schools. We use it for you know, operational health and safety compliance. So we can detect if you know, the workers in an environment are wearing the right gear, including helmets or masks. In fact, we were able to do this on the edge now for you know, PP detection using a simple Android-based device as well. So the possibilities are endless. Literally, it's about identifying a problem or a pain point that the business has and seeing if AI or computer vision can literally solve that problem. You know, computer vision is an area that is clearly going to be something that's with us for the future. It's not something that is going to go away. It's not a fad. I think it's core to our future as a civilization, our future as a species, as you said, Shamir. Can you talk a little bit about how you're taking advantage of deep neural networks to process these feeds and how you're building workflows? Because I think it's critically important for our listeners to understand. The way that we are trying to you know, solve some of these challenges, for instance, we are now building workflows specifically for different modules. For instance, if you take facial recognition, for instance, or contactless attendance management, we've built workflows specifically looking at these main challenges that we're talking about. And we've been able to train those models based on different data sets build a baseline accuracy and then retrain them on site you know to adapt to various use cases a case in point we've been looking at traffic management analysis and you know for various departments and we've been looking at not just identifying the type of vehicle but also from a security angle trying to detect the brand and make you know where this was seen across a series of cameras or network of cameras across different locations from a security and surveillance perspective. And, you know, the accuracy is one thing, but the speed at which we can analyze and process this information has been extremely critical to actually providing meaningful insights to our customers. So we've been looking at how we can actually use deep learning to optimize some of the work that we've been doing. We've been leveraging the capabilities of you know, computing most of these activities on the edge using the program that we've been involved with as well. So, Shamir, thank you for being a valued member of the AI Builders program. And I know that Bridget and her team are super excited about the work that they've done with you. But can you talk about what the Fortune 100 companies use Acubits for. I want our listeners to understand these aren't small projects that you're taking on. You're working with the largest companies in the world. Sure. So as an organization, as I mentioned, we do work around text analytics and NLP. So we've worked with the likes of USPS, USGS, and NASA, building some of the capabilities around interdepartmental communication, looking at handling some of the core systems and analyzing some of these data points to you know do predictive analytics 
On the other side, we've also worked with companies that manage distribution, sales dealerships as well, for you know one of the largest brands across the US and Canada. So we've been looking at how we can deploy AI at scale to enhance the dealership experience. So we've been able to deploy models that can actually help predict sales performance, understand the needs of the customers as well. This is an interesting project that we've been involved with that uses a mix of data points, not just visual data that comes from visual feeds, but also other systems as well. So we've been involved in projects of that nature. We've also been doing projects in healthcare. For instance, one of the interesting projects that we've been involved with an entity in India was basically using AI on specifically machine learning to analyze the Raman spectrum to detect cancer cells. And we were able to do that with an accuracy of over 95%. Now, all this seems fascinating, but there is obviously a challenge, right? When it comes to doing AI projects, it's about, you know, identifying good data, building the baseline model and improving the accuracy. So we've been through that process and we understand the challenges in actually deploying an AI project, be it a large enterprise, be it a Fortune 1000 company, or even building a startup. You know, talking about startups, we've also been doing an interesting project where we help the customer to build a product that can simplify the motor claim insurance by just simply taking a photograph of a damaged car part. So what we're doing is analyzing what part it is, what is the severity of the damage, and linking that back to a path database to understand what would be the cost of replacement or a repair. So these are kind of the problems that we've tried to solve you know, which could be everyday problems for general consumers. Well, they are everyday problems. And anytime that we can take costs out of a supply chain, whether it's a warranty cost or whether it's a replacement cost, that's great for consumers around the world. Can we talk about some things that are really exciting that I know you're working on? Can we talk about the value that organizations can get from emotion analysis and crowd tracking today? Sure. So real-time emotion analytics and crowd tracking opens limitless potential right, to businesses and retail, events, and general public infrastructure and security. If you think about retail businesses alone, gathering accurate customer feedback and sentiment can truly impact the bottom line of the business. The problem with traditional feedback is that it isn't gathered at a point of a transaction Whereas using computer vision and real-time motion analytics, we can truly change that. Now, for some of our customers, we've done some incredible stuff. Like if you look at a case in point, we worked with one of the leading car manufacturers during an international motor show to help them analyze both crowd analytics and emotions of the audience that came to the event. This is a five-day international exhibition. And traditionally, they've, they've been acquiring the data manually and trying to understand what was the customer perception towards some of their products, what was the reception towards those products, etc. And we've been able to analyze all of that data in real time and provide instant information or near real-time information. You know, this was very insightful for them to actually plan their marketing strategies going forward. You know, forget retail businesses as such, even government departments are now trying to use that to actually enhance the way that they provide customer service to the citizens. So even smart cities, for instance. I live in Dubai and, you know, we are a country which has an agenda for happiness. So we have a minister for happiness. 
And customer service at government departments is extremely critical. This is one of the countries that have actually laid emphasis on facial recognition-based systems. In fact, in Dubai airports, we actually have that deployed at scale. So I definitely see a lot of benefits to having real-time data insights using emotional analytics and you know, visual data that can drive businesses forward. Well, I think it's, as you pointed out, it's a market that is just emerging. And I'm so glad that Dubai is a leading technology location in the world. As you know, Dubai is invested in the future of our civilization at an epic level. And we're very, very honored and excited for that. Let's talk a little bit about your collaboration with Intel AI Builders. Talk about the process and what it's meant for Acubits. So while working with one of the key government projects, as I mentioned, we were tasked to analyze crowd dynamics and deploy facial recognition at scale across over 250-odd cameras in one of the entities in Abu Dhabi, where while using our AI computer vision platform, which is Emotix, right, we had a challenge in terms of scalability. Now, we had to track customers, analyze facial expressions, count the people all in real time. Now, this required heavy GPU-based compute. And as you would imagine, the you know infrastructure required to do that is quite massive. And this is an entity that had already invested a substantial amount in the infrastructure, including the network and CCTV cameras. So obviously, we had to look at you know more optimized solutions. So any performance improvement that we could achieve literally could you know mean a lot of savings to the customer. And that's where we were introduced to the AI Builders program. And, you know, the team literally introduced us to the entire program and we were able to learn how to optimize using Intel's distribution of the OpenWinner toolkit so that we can infer using, you know, a converted IR model. And literally what that meant for us is an improvement increase of at least 2.7x over, you know, what we had earlier as a baseline. So today, as I mentioned, we can process four to five cameras using a single CPU instance. And that's literally, you know, now trying to compute everything on the edge. So for us, a simple laptop with 16 gigs of RAM and, you know, at least an i7 processor can do that compute for us. So we're now looking to improve that even further. And the system is now capable of managing multiple different pipelines as well. It's not just one workflow. We have multiple workflows uh, as facial recognition. We have you know, crowd dynamics, we're looking at health and safety compliance. We have different modules that we can actually look into. So it's customizable to support different use cases, including, say, an attendance management system. So it's interesting to see how, you know, the journey has actually helped us kind of evolve the product over time and help us just kind of scale that to a large deployment. So today it's about 250-odd cameras. We're looking to kind of expand that over the next couple of months as well. You know, Shamir, that's amazing because you guys continue to make innovations. You continue to really invest in the program. And I'm glad we have an opportunity to invest in each other as companies. Can you talk a little bit about where our listeners can find more information on Occupants? Sure. We have a lot of information on our social media channels, on LinkedIn, our LinkedIn pages, Occupants. But you can always visit our website, which is www.occupants.com. We have an active blog where we publish and open source a lot of our findings as well. We also have a lot of open source projects on our GitHub page. Now, my favorite question that I ask every one of my guests, what does the future hold for computer vision and Acubits? 
That's an interesting question. And I think the future is extremely positive for various reasons. It's basically kind of pushed forward or advanced because of the advancements in hardware tech, the computing capabilities. I see a lot of investment in computer vision happening around self-driving cars, robotics, or even general applications in industrial implementations as well. So today we are seeing large-scale implementations of computer vision across cities, smart cities. In fact, you know, the number of cameras on the streets today is unbelievable. We have, you know, more than 70,000 odd cameras in one particular city. And literally, it's one of the key inputs to actually driving a safer city, as I would see. Because these are the data points that are required to actually look at safeguarding communities or understanding how you can actually improve the infrastructure for a smart city. So when you talk about improving infrastructure for a smart city and you talk about civilization, can you give a little more depth to that thought? Sure. So most of today's city surveillance currently run on, you know, 4G, Wi-Fi or you know, DSRC or dedicated short range communication, which is, you know, the technology that you see in most of today's tall pass systems. Now, the improvements we are seeing in, you know, these cameras and IoT devices, you know, such as sensors, lights and meters, literally help us analyze a wealth of information, which truly wasn't possible before. So a case in point, you could actually understand traffic dynamics or flow of people inside a city based on the data that's coming in and understand, you know, if you need to improve certain infrastructure, it could be road bridges or, you know, deploy new routes. All this information can come based on the data that is now being gathered. And we are seeing implementations of that happening today. Like simple use case could be about changing the work office timings for his businesses to accommodate for schools or, you know, implementing tall systems that can you know, understand the traffic flow and kind of mitigate some of those risks. But, you know, it's not just about smart infrastructure alone. You know, we're seeing implementations of AI that could happen through, you know, mobile devices as well. So today, drivers are being given data points that will help them understand if they're driving safely, if there's an accident on the road, or, you know, to navigate differently based on their normal commutes. These are all part of what I call a smart infrastructure for a smart city. And generally, when you talk about, you know, city surveillance and safeguarding communities with facial recognition and the speed at which we can compute some of this information, we are now able to, you know, safeguard communities by identifying criminals or fraudsters much more effectively than we could in the past. And that's made possible because of the network of cameras. We can call it Big Brother or whatever we want, but it's a trade-off between safety versus, you know, being watched on. And I think there are a lot of good policies and protocols being put in place on, you know, how your data is being secured. But like I said, you know, it's all about safeguarding communities. Well, I agree. It is about safeguarding communities and safeguarding our species and our civilization as required. So on behalf of Shamir Taha, Global Chief Strategy Officer of Acubits. My name is Jake Smith. We thank you for joining us. Wherever you may be in the world, we wish you a good morning, good afternoon, and good night.